this is the lonely guy, Steve Center, from the center of the known universe, Indianapolis, Indiana. Travel back with me through 60 years of recordings for the travels of Doctor Who. Each week, a new episode is discussed and dissected, starting with the very first Doctor leading up back through a timey-wimey journey to the present day. I have an Amazon Prime account, as I'm sure every other American is required to have. And on the Amazon Prime account, for six or seven bucks a month, you can get the BritBox channel, which has all of the old Doctor Whos. And once I get through all of those through 1990 or whatever, I I really don't know what year it is. I'll figure that out. But once I get through all of those, then I'll start worrying about where to find the modern Doctor Whos. Doctor Who is a very important character in my family's home. Uh, He or she has entertained us for many, many hours. But the reality is I wasn't very familiar with what the early um, episodes of Doctor Who were about and what that early mythology was. And I, I just thought I want to go back and watch these and thought that might be a fun thing to share uh, with others who are Dr. Who fans. So the first episode of Dr. Who, and what I'm going to give is a pretty much a complete rundown. So spoiler alert, it's almost 60 years old. And so if you don't want to know what's going to happen, you want to watch it for yourself. This isn't the podcast for you. Once I finish the synopsis of the episode, I'll spend a moment discussing a couple of things I noticed. So Doctor Who, episode one, the title is called An Unearthly Child. So we start with a visual on a blue police box and then it fades and scene comes back up. Now we're in a school. We are almost immediately introduced to Ian Chesterton. He begins a conversation with Barbara Wright. These are both teachers at the school. He teaches science. She teaches history. And they begin talking about this extraordinary student they have, Susan Foreman. They don't know what to think about Susan, but she is a genius. She's so smart that Miss Wright said that she wanted to give her some extra tutoring in history because she she was so advanced. But Susan declined to allow her to come to her home because she said it would upset her grandfather. So Miss Wright tells Mr. Chesterton that she went to Susan's home to talk to the grandfather, but where she went when she got there, there was no home. It was just a vacant lot. So those two are talking and then we fade out and we see Susan, she's listening to the radio. She then walks to where the teachers are, and Mr. Chesterton offers her a socially appropriate ride home. And that's one thing, I'm not going to point that out every time, but I mean, these were written a long time ago, and so they're going to break a lot of mores that that we deal with today. I mean, if a, if a male teacher offered my teenage daughter a ride home, I would not be grateful for that, (laughs) but he offers her a ride home and she says, oh no, I like walking in the dark because it's mysterious. So she decides to walk home. The teachers now do what teachers do. They go to the vacant lot where she's supposed to be living and they're doing a stakeout as they're sitting there. They're talking. Miss Wright flashes back 
to a moment where she remembers Susan saying England hadn't started using the Dewey Decimal System yet. That gives us our first clue that Susan might have some knowledge of the future. As Mr. Chesterton is talking, he flashes to a scene where Susan is in chemistry class and she was very bored because the experiment they were doing was just so ordinary. And then another flashback to where Susan was again in science class and she starts arguing about what he's saying because he's talking about three dimensions. He forgot to include the dimensions of time and space. So, you know, we're getting that definite interpretation that Susan is somebody who is not typical. And again, they think she's super brilliant, but maybe a little nutty. They see Susan come home and she goes through a fence gate. It's a privacy fence. They decide to investigate. They walk through that into a door and it's, it's kind of a cluttered room and they're calling for Susan and they see a police box. Miss Wright gets scared being in this room. It's kind of dark. It's think of it like an old barn. It's kind of dark, but Mr. Chesterton, not scared. He is curious. An old man comes into the room and he walks up to the police box. They hide, but then he calls for Susan and they kind of, they don't really jump out to try to scare him, but they say, hey, we were looking for Susan too. And he says, I don't know who you're talking about. They are asking him questions about, hey, you know, what about Susan? What are you doing here? Where do you live? Because again, the police box is just a tiny police box. He refuses to give them an answer and he tells them they have to leave. They refuse to leave. Then Susan opens the door to the police box and the teachers scoot by the old man and go into the police box. They are shocked that this is where Susan lives. It's so much bigger on the inside. Grandpa tries to explain how it's so large. And when they don't understand him, he begins to insult them. The police box gets called the TARDIS by Susan. And so that's the first mention of the name TARDIS. And she says it can go anywhere in any when the teachers are confused, but then the old man, grandpa says he cannot let them go that they will go talk to the police. They will basically kind of rat out the situation. They get upset because now all of a sudden they want to leave <laughs> as soon as they're told they can't leave. Susan tells them that she was born in a different time and on a different planet. They do not believe her. Chesterton goes to the control panel and he tries to make an adjustment. And as he does that, grandfather goes over to a different section of the control panel, turns something, and it sends a shock through Chesterton and knocks him out. He's now laying on the ground. Grandfather tells Susan they have to go. She says she doesn't want to. Grandfather skits the controls. All four in the TARDIS and this is over Susan's protest. She keeps telling him that they won't tell. They can't really do anything. I mean, after all, if the TARDIS leaves, there won't be anyone to find. But he says that they can't do it. After they travel, there's kind of a fade out and a fade back in. And the four are laying on the ground. They all, all have been knocked out. And it appears the TARDIS has arrived on a desert landscape, world unknown. And that's where the episode ends.
A couple of our takeaways. The first is that the doctor is a real jerk in this episode, like not likable at all. Really? So, <laughs> I'm so used to David Tennant and Matt Smith, you know, like the doctor's charming and funny. And, and this doctor was not nice. He was not kind. He really was not interesting. But then you realize that he was protecting the secrecy. So we really, at this this point, we don't know his actual personality. Um, we do know that he committed two kidnappings. So it'll be very interesting to see where we're going. This is where the episode ends. I would say that this was uh, maybe, this was pretty low quality. You know, we're talking uh, black and white from 60 years ago. And it was only about 20 minutes long. But honestly, I really enjoyed the episode. I'm going to rank the episodes not in terms of like one, two, three, four, five stars. I'm going to try. This is pretty ambitious, but I'm going to try to create a list of all of the Doctor Who episodes in order from my favorite to my least favorite. And so far, this episode, An Unearthly Child, is number one, my most favorite episode. Thank you very much. This is Steve Center on our complete Doctor Who journey.